shooting um, shooting films? Uh, yeah, so I, well, I shot uh, a short film over the summer that I wrote and directed, and then I'm working on the next the next short film, which is animated, actually. Um, which I'll be announcing a Kickstarter for that in the next couple of weeks. Um, been working on. I feel like the campaign in and of itself takes as much time as the actual film will take. So yeah, that's that'll be announced soon. And then I've just finished the script for my third short film. So yeah, because I, I know you were doing screenwriting, which always mm-hmm. seems like a very logical jump from comic books. Right. Well, logical to everybody other than me. I feel like <laughs> like I feel like it took other people telling me uh, like, hey, what if you did this? And then people telling you you're basically writing a screenplay. Right. You draw it. Yeah. I mean, why? Well, it just I didn't. Because my process is very writing first, and then I generate images for it. So, yeah, it just wasn't something that had really occurred to me until it was really people had approached me about making my first graphic novel into a movie. And then there was kind of this, well, why why don't you write the screenplay? And it took really, like, that jump of me writing that first screenplay to realize, like, oh, yeah, this is kind of exactly how I write my books anyway, so... Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a very big leap to. But, but making a movie hadn't occurred to you until somebody asked you to make a movie. Well, the thing is, I always wanted to make movies. Um, that was kind of not something I shared with a lot of people. But I mean, I don't know why. I feel I feel like because that was something that seemed so much more daunting to me that yeah. like was just impossible. It's so like saying you want to be the king of England. Yeah, exactly. Like, what would you? How would you even go about that? Whereas once I approached comics i almost didn't even need to say that to any of my friends or anybody because it's like oh yeah you just sit down and do it Mm -hmm. um and once i got out there and actually started making the first one i was like oh i don't need to have a huge crew i don't need to i mean i literally there was no crew it was me i set everything up myself i'm not saying that that serviced the film well but but you know i mean like realizing that you could do things with smaller and smaller crews because of the technology available today is like that was a very like I don't know. It was a really eye-opening thing for me. I'm probably dense in that regard, but yeah. like, I don't know. So, yeah. So, so how, how do you make that the transition from again screenwriting into actually making the movies? You know, and I do. I appreciate that you, yeah, kind of went for it. You know, you did. Yeah. What is it saying about letting the perfect be the enemy of the good? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was just it. It was kind of. Yeah, I, I really don't know what made me do the first thing, but it was kind of this. I was working on another. I'd written. I guess three feature screenplays and was developing a lot of, and I still am developing a lot of TV shows with people that I've been working with. But all that stuff is, you know, you have a meeting about a meeting about a meeting and that kind of stuff. And I think it was a a combination of being a little sick of that because, because coming from the comics world, it's like, well, let's just make it, you know, like let's just sit down and make the thing. Uh, So I was working on another screenplay and there was like the first part of it, I, I don't know. I was just, I, I remember, like, you can see it in my notes. I'm like, I feel like this first part could be a short film. Mm. Seven weeks later, I had, like, cast it, shot it, edited it. Like, it was just like, ah, fuck it, I'll just do it. And, like, I didn't even think about it. It was just like, I didn't think about that I couldn't do it. I just did yeah. it. So, I don't know. Well, so, so you're, you're, you're literally doing all of those different aspects of it? Cause again, I, I operated the camera. I set up the sound. I set up the lighting. I did everything. Yeah. It was. You know, again, uh, being being a cartoonist, writing right. comics, that's a skill set that translates right over. Like, where right. are you? Were, were you doing all these other things for the first time? Um, I mean, I've, you know, I had shot a bunch of like I wouldn't, I, I hesitate to even call them short films. Yeah. I shot film that I had edited together, 
Uh, and then over, I had done a couple production tests for things that I had directed that were combining live action and animation. So I feel like I had been kind of putting myself through a DIY film school for like probably like a year or so before that. So it wasn't something where, I mean, I learned so much actually like, okay, you know, we're going to shoot this thing that is a 10 minute narrative that has a ton of cuts and like, you know, I have to do coverage and all these things. That was, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was something that I felt pretty prepared for, but at the same time, like, I, yeah, quickly found out, like, oh, there's a lot of stuff I don't, like, just the, all the little things that you don't realize, like, oh, right, that, that's why there's somebody on a film set that's, just yeah. doing that thing, like, just yeah. paying attention to, do you have enough hard drives with you to shoot this, yeah. you know, because we were shooting it digitally, like, little, I mean, just little stuff like that, where you just don't think about it necessarily in advance because you're thinking about 40 other things sure. so uh yeah i don't know the it flowed pretty naturally for me just because i'm so used to with my books handling all aspects of the production you know mm-hmm. um because i've always you know designed the book picked the paper dealt with the printer so i mean even with fanographics really? i do that yeah, yeah. um I mean, that Fantagraphics, they basically, like, they create the PDF when it gets there. But, like, the most, I mean, unfortunately, Kim's no longer with us. I'm assuming Gary or, uh, or uh, Eric at Fantagraphics will deal with this now. But, I mean, they spell check it. That's about it. <laughs> so they're, with, they're, they're like that with all the books? Or is it just because you're so hands-on? I think it's the. I think they give their artists the liberty yeah. to do that. Like um, option. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, if you want to do that, I, th- I know there's some artists that just send them a pile of artwork and then say, "Make you know, hit the book machine and to just I'll walk away and yeah. let me know when uh, when that book is produced." Uh, but for me, that's always been like all of that stuff has always been part of the actual experience that the person has. Sure, but, but I mean, so. you, go, you go to, you work with a fanographics. I mean, obviously there's a, the prestige there and obviously, you know, they know what they're doing in a lot of respects, but you also work with them because you know that they know what they're doing, right? Right. I think, well... When it I comes to putting out a beautiful looking yeah, book. Yeah, I think that's just... Well, I think for me, it's that I know... I think the appeal... Well, it's, I mean, from a fanboy perspective, it was that, you know, they had published yeah, you know, yeah, Dan yeah. Klaus and Chris yeah, Ware yeah. and Charles yeah. Burns and all these guys. Um, but I think for me, what's so great working with them is that I know, I know they make great choices mm-hmm. and that if for some reason I just totally strayed off, they'd be like, eh, that's not yeah. going to work very well. Like, one of the great things is that they have a few people like Jacob Covey and other designers there that if I make a choice, like when Mother Come Home was being reprinted with them, we probably had a week just talking about like the foil stamp that was going on it and how they were like, I don't logistically, I don't think this is going to work. And we ended up just taking a roll of the dice and doing it. And it, it worked out fine. And Jacob wrote me a hateful email afterwards, like, fuck you for that, that working. That shouldn't have worked, you yeah. know. But, um, but I think that's the thing with them is that like, I don't know how to put it exactly. It's that I know that I can produce as good a book as possible, whether that's the idea is coming from me or it's them saying, like, well, what if we tried this? Mm-hmm. And I see that aspect of it as a collaboration, you know. Yeah, so, well, it's like, yeah. it's like again, it's, it's you know, to use the, the movie analogy, it's all of these other things that right. you don't think That's just it. I mean, and like I said, that foil stamping yeah. thing, because I think Jacob sort of, guided me in making I don't think it would have worked if we hadn't had that discussion yeah. I think it probably would have been a smeared mess you know so 
Uh, but just things like that where it's just, yeah, exactly. It's something I don't think about or like, oh, this isn't going to – or this isn't going to be able to – like the barcode's not going to scan properly yeah. or, you know, just stuff you're not going to think about. Sure. So, um, But, yeah, from actually producing the stuff, I think that comes from, you know, I self-published for three years yeah. and before I was ever published by anybody, and then I continued self-publishing for years after that and actually have just gotten back into it. And – I don't know. Yeah, for me, it was just, like, you just did it all yourself. And, like, that was I, – I, I, part of that was out of necessity, but I just – I really enjoy that, you know? like, I, Are you are you a micromanager in, in most, most aspects of your life? See, that's the funny thing is, like, when people work with me on projects, they're actually completely shocked at how yeah. not micromanaging yeah. I am. Because, like, I was, so I was in a band for years, yeah. and – I sort of wrote the germ of a lot of songs, but anytime anybody brought anything else to it, it was like, yeah, yeah, cool, let's try that. Because I think my brain, I can just, it's either turned on or turned off, you know? Like, if it's just me, and I'm like, okay, then I'm micromanaging it. Yeah. But if it's, I like, I actually really like collaborating with people on stuff, so... I wouldn't say so. I mean, my wife is she. She she gets to see both sides of yeah. this. Like she's amazed sometimes where she'll you know buy something for the, the house, and I'm like, yeah, great, awesome. And she's like, wait, really? I thought you would hate this pattern or what? You know. And then other times, if I'm like in my mode, then it's just like, what is that speck of dirt doing there? You know. So like, yeah, it's uh, I I can usually choose to turn it on or off, but yeah. So, I, so yeah, self publishing again is that is that out of necessity that. No, honestly, it was really, that was sort of for the same reason that I think the short films were developing and the stuff I'm doing on YouTube was developing. Like, it was it was really coming out of, like, like, I've produced, you know, I've probably written, like, 800 pages of stuff in the last two years, and nobody can see any of it. And, you know, some of it is stuff that's not even... Because. Well, either it's in talks with yeah. whoever, or it was stuff that was dead, but what do you do with the screenplay? Or what do you do with... Like, for instance, there was a web series. I wrote you know, wrote the pilot for it. We went out shot production tests. Like, that was the one I was talking about, this live action and animation. What do you do with that? Because yeah. it ended up just... We figured out, like, this is going to take too much as far as funding. And, and we made, you know, maybe we'll do a Kickstarter for it one of these days. I don't know, or something like that. But, like... It was just, it wasn't feasible, but we had done all this stuff. Like, I had done all the character design and pre-production artwork, and what do you do with that, yeah. you know? And so that was actually one of the reasons I got back to self-publishing, because I was like, well, a lot of this stuff can go in a book, and then I can have links, you know, like, go to this webpage, and you can see the production test, that kind of stuff, you know? Um, and that's, I mean, why put it in a book, I guess, is a good question, because you could do it as, I guess, a web thing or something. I just like books, I guess, yeah, you mainly. you clearly have a lot invested yeah. in the actual physical object. Right, right, yeah. So, and I mean, part of it, honestly, is also just feeling a responsibility to readers of mine, where I, sh I show up at, obviously, we're doing this at a convention, like, I show up at a convention, and they're like, well, what have you been working on? Why can't I see anything? Let's talk, let's talk about it. Yeah. It's interesting, because, you know, we, we were talking a while ago about setting up yeah. an interview and we're like ships in the night but yeah um and, and then you, then you bumped into me on the floor right i had no idea you were gonna be here you had I, no idea a, you a week ago here. i didn't know i was gonna be so here yeah what so. happened uh i thought that this convention was at the end of april i think I it maybe was last year or oh, something probably. did they move it up i don't remember past, yeah. so yeah yeah i just that was a that was a failure of scheduling on yeah. my part um but now living on the east coast i was obviously a little easier to come down here but 
Yeah, I mean, conventions, that's that's the thing is when you're starting off, conventions are very much this, like, you know, you're trying to, like, sell your book and yeah, you're, you're trying hustling. to, you know, yeah. getting the stuff out there to yeah. people. And now I feel like it's more, like, I don't know. I feel like for me it's more if you're already into my I mean, there's still new readers that obviously, you know, pick up a book here and there. But for me it's more, like, getting to, you know, run into people like you and people I don't see on any regular basis. And... Just yeah. people that wouldn't get to see me any other way, and we wouldn't get to talk. Um, but yeah, that was the whole thing. Is like, and yeah, to some degree, the self-publishing thing is just that. Like, even being able to hand stuff to friends of mine, yeah. where like they just don't get to see what I'm up to, and yeah. you know that that gets to be. I don't know. I, I think you don't tend to be producing creative stuff if you don't want to get it. I mean, there's always going to be the you know. Henry Darger or like sure. whoever like you know people who just sure. produce well, stuff in yeah, their room things going on right right yeah well there's that <laughs> um yeah so I'm not Emily Dickinson um <laughs> where I could just produce tons and tons of stuff and never yeah. show it to people that's interesting but, I, you know I was I was just uh I ran into um a friend do you know Kevin Colden at all you wait I know his name yeah he, uh, he did like Fishtown for yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah right sorry um but I ran into him and you know he was saying that he wants to uh to to do music again he wants to get sort of mm-hmm. get back into that and you know, I was, I was thinking about it earlier because again, yesterday I was sitting right here talking to Kolchak, and all these—it's funny that all these cartoonists also have music going on, and, and it right. hadn't occurred to me until that moment that it makes a lot of sense because, in terms of um, actual lifestyle, these, mm-hmm. these things are polar opposites, right? Right. In terms of what you're actually doing when you're creating the art. Exactly. I mean, that's for me. Being in a band was always, and now I feel like film has just kind of replaced that. Yeah. Um, it was so, and I think that was, again, kind of surprising for some of the guys that I wasn't a little more, you know, controlling with things. But it was just like, yeah, but this is this is not what I'm spending, you know, yeah. 15 hours a day doing yeah. where it's just me by myself controlling everything. Like, to release that, you know, like, not have that control is a very freeing thing. Like, it's actually very nice and, like, a totally different thing. I, at least for me. I mean, yeah. that... I guess maybe there's probably some people that would like, you know, just could be control freaks with the comics and like I have to do everything by myself with the music. But like, like that was, yeah, definitely the exact opposite for me. So, yeah. This is one of those few opportunities that you get, though, to because I, I guess I was saying it was um, they're, they're polar opposites from the respect that, you know, when you're a cartoonist, you're 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 literally isolated versus like actually yeah, like and exactly. performing in front of people. Right. This is one of the one, one of the rare instances when you can kind of, kind of sort of perform in front of people. Right. Yeah, I don't know. These that that is one thing is like and it's no offense to conventions. I like doing them, but like I much I I I I, I greatly prefer doing like a reading or like doing panels or whatever it is where like not so much panels, but like doing Q&A kind of yeah. stuff where you can kind of more talk with people because i feel like sometimes the signing thing is a little bit of a weird relationship you know it's yeah. like i'm behind the table and you're over there yeah. and like it's so much I, I i like it a lot better when it's like you're in a bookstore and like you're just sitting on the same level with the audience not, and not, like not, not only not only there is there a table but there's a line behind them right and, and it's just certain yeah acknowledgement that you're going to spend as little time as possible interacting with this person right so the line can keep moving yeah yeah and it's i don't know yeah it sets up a strange uh a strange flow to things i feel like on a yeah. lo- on a level but i mean I, I i still enjoy it but it's always i mean as i was saying to somebody was another cartoonist was asking me like do you still enjoy conventions yeah. and i said 
I don't think I've ever really enjoyed conventions. I wish we could just rent out a coffee shop and everybody could just hang out and talk. Yeah. Because, I mean, and not to sound too snooty, but, like, you know, European conventions, which I hesitate to even call conventions, like festivals or whatever sure. you want to call them, that so many of them are, are like that, where you just show up. Like, one of my favorites is in Lucerne, Switzerland, where there's no selling. You just, like, you show up and sign, but otherwise it's just exhibits and people hang out and have a glass of wine and talk and, like, it is a, and, and, that's and so nice. Like, the other, the other side of, of, that, of that weird dynamic, and you especially get it is at shows like this. I mean, you're not going to get it so much as at, like, a San Diego Comic-Con, but... Um, right. Is you know you want you, you walk around and people have their art their books out and you want to talk to them and you want to look at their books right but then you feel terrible oh you feel you awful can't buy, you can't buy you can't buy everything yeah. and you can't I mean that's the, the, I feel bad because there's a lot of artists I would like you know where I you know I've never talked to them like to get to know yeah. them but yeah there is that I kind of feel responsibility if I'm going to engage anybody to like okay, like I, I I don't like doing that cost benefit analysis you know I'd like to just be able to like oh let's just talk you yeah. know. So that's kind of the nice thing about those festivals where that pressure isn't there yeah. because you get to talk to so many more people and, you know, find out what people are working on a little bit more. So, yeah, the uh, I'm not saying anything new original by saying there's a desperation at conventions that can be a little daunting. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you, and, and you've... I've, I've, I've not been on that side of it. You've been yeah. on that side of it. So you've got For a long time. Empathy, yeah, yeah. yeah. How, yeah. How, long, how long were you How long were you hustling? Because I don't know. Cause, and, yeah. and again, like, but to me it seemed like you kind of, oh, all of a sudden this guy's in Moe. You know, all of a sudden this guy's like got a book coming out on Fan uh, Yeah, I'm trying to think. I feel like the hustle part of it was probably, that probably started in like, I think my first convention was in 99 or something okay. like that. So... I so feel like I was definitely, yeah. yeah, like five, six years yeah. easily, yeah. So, and even like at the start of Mom, I think that was like 2005 or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was still like very regularly like hauling all the stuff to conventions. But at a certain point, yeah, it didn't make sense because obviously Fanographics was there and they were selling this stuff and I couldn't show up with their books very easily and be like, no, no, buy them from me, you know. Um, but and I mean to be honest, that has made conventions much nicer for me because now that pressure of like having a table and you literally you got, just showed up, like you just showed I, up. Yeah, I just show up and I can sign yeah. and like so at, at least that pressure yeah. is removed because and that's the thing I feel I absolutely feel for everybody that's doing that because it's just it's there's there is another step of demoralization that happens when somebody comes up and flips through your stuff and then just walks away. Where and, it's, and it happens 50 times a day. Oh, or, yeah. if, if that yeah. few, yeah. I mean, yeah. and you're just like, oh, okay. You know, and it's just this little silent, you know, disapproval. <laughs> and then you walk away. And you're like, like, $3, you're like, literally. I will be crushed now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So are you getting, do you have to sort of get back into that cycle a little bit again now that you're doing self-publishing? Well, that's the thing. I'm kind of trying to, like, so far the books, uh, so I'm doing it as a series, and, like, it's... The idea is to just do it on my site. Mm-hmm. I've kind of started to realize I've gotten enough people being like, "Oh, I didn't even know about this," and I'm like, "All right, I'm going to have to talk with somebody about distributing it or something." Yeah. But I never, I don't want to go back to doing the whole table thing, and that, it just, it's, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm not strong enough. I can't do it anymore <laughs> in my old age. Well, or something. Be, yeah, <laughs> I mean, be, you know, when when you when you have books, it's different. When you've been on Fanographics, it's different. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it's... Maybe it's worse. Maybe it's that, like, oh, that guy used to be on Fanographics, and now he's... Now he's self-publishing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing, is, like, I don't really know. I'm not sure. For me, it's... 
Because the thing is, I, I think the people who are just doing it themselves and doing the tables, I don't want to make it sound like a better than, worse than thing yeah. because there's a lot of people that make great money doing it and they have a ton of fun doing sure. it. To some degree, I feel like it's a personality thing. Yeah. Like For me, it's just... I have always hated selling the stuff, you know, like, and it's just not my personality. You're still, I mean, you know, you're still, like, definitely toward the more outgoing end of the spectrum. Of oh, the, and that's the thing. I'm, I'm, I've always been a very outgoing, jo- I mean, I'm a, a total depressive in many ways, too, but, like, I've always been a very outgoing, like, jokey guy. Yeah. But once you add in, like, like, I'm terrible. I, I can't even tell you how many times I'm at a convention and people are like, oh, what's your name? And I will just say Paul because I, it never even occurs to me that there would be any name recognition yeah. or that I should promote myself. And like, that's yeah. that's always been gross to me. So, like, I'm terrible at it. I'm but just, at the same time, when, you know, when they do recognize it, I feel, it feels good. The, uh, yeah, I would yeah. be lying if I said that doesn't feel nice. But yeah. like it's, but it's always. I will say it feels nice. But the feeling that directly precedes that is absolute shock on my part every single time. Where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, weird, you know. So I don't know. It's just it's one of those things that I've never been. Like for instance, I used to I used to technically be a sales agent for a printer, uh, where I was supposed to bring in new business and everything. The only thing I ever did was help people like make you know production choices and stuff like that because i was like i'm not a salesman I, yeah. I, i'm terrible at that so uh some people are miracle workers at that kind of stuff and hey more power to them and literally more power to them in many cases um well i mean it's, but- good, it's good that you know it's good that you know your limits because right, right. as somebody again who wants to be involved in every single aspect of the process right yeah, and that's that's something that I mean to me that's the biggest thing that Fanographics provides for me. Like they are, you know, they get it into stores. They and they let me know like, oh hey, this person, you know, like you, they you know, this person wants to talk to you or yeah. whatever that kind of stuff. Because I'm just not good at that. Like that's and there's been things like producing the films and stuff like that. There's been that's also been a learning experience with that. Where like, oh, you know what? I'm not that great at this. Like I'm not. And for the for the live action stuff, like for the the not this next film I'm working on, which is animated, but the one after that, like that's I'm working with people to take over those jobs that I was not that great at, you know. Um, and yeah, it's just it's you just have to learn those things as you go, I guess. Hey everybody, it's Brian. Uh, breaking in really quickly to ask you to do a quick favor and help us stay free by downloading and completing a short anonymous survey. It will take no longer than five minutes. Your answers will help our show match with advertisers that best fit your sensibilities and our sensibilities. And listeners who complete the survey will be entered in an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. They promise not to share or sell your email address and they won't send you an email unless you win. So go to www.podsurvey.com slash R-I-Y-L. That's www.podsurvey.com dot com slash r-i-y-l which is the name of the show that you're listening to right now to take a survey and to enter to win a uh, $100 Amazon gift card but thanks uh, thanks to everyone who filled that out and I think this is the last time we're going to ask you so last chance to get that gift card how analogous I mean you know beyond beyond the script writing how analogous is is being a director or cinematographer mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it how analogous is that to making comics to you know does does framing really sort of come in in the same way yeah it's interesting i don't know it's it's funny because i feel like some people you know are like oh it's the exact same i mean it's 
it's it is weird because it's completely different and then it's got like i feel like the surface stuff is very similar like i tend to i think it's hard for me to say exactly how similar it is because i think it just depends on how you process stories in the in the first place like my friend andres nelson he and i were talking about sort of how we start stories to getting getting them into final comics and I'm completely story driven and writing and all that and he completely starts with images hmm. and so you know I mean that's that's the thing for me the film stuff is really similar to how I think like I tend to start with something that's a little more in my sort of brain soup similar to a script and then it moving toward framing choices yeah. and where, where where I would place the quote unquote camera and that sort of thing. So I, for me, it's really similar. For somebody else, I think it might just be bizarre. The, you know, the step by step process. Right. Exactly. That, yeah. Really for sure. So I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. For me, it's it hasn't been that. I think the biggest thing that's different is working with actors mm-hmm. and you know, like showing people the you know showing people the thing and getting notes from people who are helping yeah. me with you know like I had an editor friend who was like oh what if you made this cut and this cut. And it because it's a new language for me to some degree. Do you not? Uh, so you don't have that in comics at all? Or are you with comics? It's people? no. I mean, with comics, it's really. Uh, with my first book, Mother Come Home, I remember my editor Diana Schutz had two questions, and that was it. And they were good questions. And actually, the last, the very last line of the book, it was different in the serialized version than the graphic novel because of one of her questions. Because I thought it was a really good, it brought up a good point. And to yeah. me, that's what a good editor does: is asks, you know, like asks really smart questions, like, "Well, why are you doing that? Like, can you justify that choice?" Essentially, does, does, you know, does that mean that uh, the music and you know, especially the film, that it doesn't end up being as, you know, uh, pure an expression of? Yeah, that's I, that's a really good question. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I just think it ends up being a different thing. I mean, I think it doesn't end up being, if you want to talk about it as pure as in coming straight out of my brain directly yeah. to you, like, yes, technically, I guess. But, like, uh, no, because to me it's still, I didn't. I definitely don't feel like I made any choices where I thought they were wrong or I, I made any choices where... It didn't feel like it fit in the project or anything like so that. Like, like as if you're long working, as you in, ultimately have control, right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. I feel yeah. like if you were in a studio scenario yeah. where there was like make that change, uh, and we're gonna fire if you don't make that change, like yeah, then obviously it would make something that's not fitting with your personal vision. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that was the thing. And like, like I said before, I even went and shot anything. I was studying so much about you know, people talking about here's where projects went off the rails or like, you know, mm-hmm. why was I able to maintain this personal vision across like even, you know, big studio films, like how was I able to do yeah. that? And uh, getting those kind of pers- perspectives from interviews with various directors was really helpful for me. Even on that small scale, I felt like I needed to be be aware of that because, you know, when you're dealing with a lot of people, I mean, even even though the the crew was technically just me, you know, having actors and having people give me notes and stuff like that, it was something where I was like, I don't know, you know, like where do you where do you draw what lines and 
you know. Were you, as, were you as close to study when he started doing comics? Were you reading interviews with people about comics on how to do comics? I, no, with comics, I would say I more just jumped in. Like, I didn't, because I had been making comic type books and comic books since I was like four, you know. So for me, that was just, I, again, I think it was just that I had mythologized filmmaking yeah. to such a degree that. Like, with comics, it was just like, oh, no, you can just make comics. That's fine. But it wasn't really until I feel like I had self-published for, like, maybe a year to two years before, then. yeah, then I started really looking into, okay, well, what makes this really good and really started studying stuff. And to some degree, some of that was because there wasn't really, the information wasn't really out there the way it is now. Like, yeah. it's so so much easier to, A, find the kind of information I was looking for yeah. for comics, but B, yeah, as far as film, like, I mean, if I want to read 10 interviews with Francis Ford Coppola, sure. done, you know, sure. like, easy. But uh, when I was starting, I mean, you know, even in 99, like, the, the the amount of stuff that was out there, particularly yeah. on cartoonists, yeah. you know, was yeah, when did, when pretty did scant. Understanding <laughs> comics actually come out. That was it might have been around maybe then. like a little bit after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean that's just there just weren't that many like I mean, for instance, I did the first probably three or four issues of my book Sequential back in the day with I was doing it all with unbeknownst to me, a lettering nib. Because I was just looking, I was looking at like, I don't know, like Mike Allred or like Steve Rude yeah. or these various people with these kind of lush brush lines, but I didn't know they were brush lines. I didn't yeah. know how they made them. Yeah. And it turned out I was, I was using a nib that was kind of close to what Charles Schultz used to do lettering, but like, I, you know, I just didn't know any of that stuff then. And it was just like, oh, I'll try to make a line look like that. I mean, literally on that level of like, I don't know. I don't know how it's done. It's interesting. Do you, do you think that, the reason why comics sort of became your main form of, I guess, artistic expression is because it was of of music, of film, of comics. It was mm-hmm. kind of it was the easiest to get into. It had the lower. I lowest I absolutely think that was a big yeah. part of it. Um, I think it was because it was the easiest, but not. But yeah, I mean, certainly not on like a cognizant and like okay, this was the easiest, so I'll approach yeah. this. I mean, it's incredibly difficult at the end of the it day. It is. I mean, that's just it. It's really hard, yeah. but I think it's just because you don't. You don't have to have a lot of fancy materials, yeah. which you don't have to, to, you know, I mean, certainly, especially these days, you don't have to to make film. You can yeah. go out with your phone and but shoot it. again, a, that's changed a lot. That, a ton, five, yeah. ten years. And, and, and uh, to be honest, that was the thing. When I first went out and shot stuff, I was shooting with, like, 8-millimeter cameras and stuff like that because that was the best way to get a quality that I was okay with. Whereas with comics, when I first started self-publishing, and I was doing Xerox stuff with color Xerox covers... That didn't look that far off from kind of a nice book, you know, yeah. even even in 99, like, the technology was good enough that, like, you could kind of make something that looked pretty good, you know. Um, and I think that was the thing, is that there wasn't this huge sort of canyon, you know, like this huge gulf between an amateur production and a professional production, for me. Well, what's interesting, though, is, is there is and there isn't. I mean, there, there right. is if... You know, you're a 12 year old. You're reading Spider-Man comics. I mean, right. that, that seems like that's something huge right. and far away, right? I mean, that is. Right. There's definitely a, a, an equivalent in comics to the major movie studio sure. system. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. But I mean, again, I think that that's some of that is starting to change. I yeah. mean, the, the, how easy it is to like the lowering, the lowering of technology prices. What we're actually doing this right next to a Wacom exhibit, you know? But like that kind of stuff, like. 
it doesn't cost as much these days, and like Photoshop is yeah. easy to obtain, and and uh, frankly, open source versions of that. But, but, I, but, I but guess, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but 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 I guess what I'm getting at is, um, <clears throat> you know, if from from the same. If, from the same standpoint that you realize, you know, I'm not going to go out and make a film with Brad Pitt tomorrow. It, right. It's similar to I'm not going to go and, and draw a Spider-Man comic. So I'm wondering, you, you sort of, you had to discover right. that indie comics existed in order to realize. Yeah, that's that true. That's for sure. Right, right, right. I mean, because that, and that was another thing is for me, so I started off doing superhero comics when I was like 16. Yeah. And then the, well, not when I was 16, probably 13 or something, but those started to kind of transform into... Science fiction yeah. and then was just like the fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, yeah. you know, I was like, oh, this is really cool. But I think it was, I would credit Image mainly with me looking into what the industry was really like. Hmm. Um, because my biggest question, I was like, oh, these are awesome. And I liked, you know, uh, Young Blood and God, I'm forgetting the names of them. Oh, Wildcats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. I loved all that yeah. stuff. You know, and. But that, but it made me wonder. Wait, why did these guys leave yeah. Marvel and yeah. DC or whatever? So I started looking into that, yeah. and that's then that made me start going back into the history with like you know Superman and you know treatment of Kirby well, and, and Steve every single person and basically every big person over. you can yeah. think of or little person yeah. for that matter. Um, and that was so that that gaining that awareness and at the same time my stories becoming more and more unbeknownst to me what indie comics are was kind of what i mean i stopped making comics because i was like i don't see a home for what i'm doing so this is ahead of really discovering that yes whole- right so i mean so this was you know this is kind of going into like like as, as i was entering college age yeah. Then I get into college and probably for like a good year or two, didn't make comics and was like, I'm going to be a philosophy professor. And, you know, oh, man. Well, yeah. let's, let's dig you know, into that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only thing even more lucrative yeah. than, than comics. Um, but so I, yeah, it wasn't until I think it was maybe second year of college or something, some uh, girl I was dating gave me Ghost World. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? This is, I mean, I just totally blame it on like, Laziness for myself because I was independent. I was getting more and more into independent film, but yeah. it didn't occur to me like, oh, is there a comics equivalent? Connected those dots. Didn't yeah at all. Again, people sort of have to tell me that were you things. From a, were you from a small town? Were you from a place with like tiny, one comic shop? In, no, no comic no shops. Comic shops. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in a tiny, tiny farm town in southern Ohio, okay. pre-internet, obviously, yeah, yeah. and. Like my first comic was given to me by my dentist for a good checkup. It was, and, it, and even that was an uh, all detergent giveaway promotional copy of a reprint yeah. from the seventies of Steve Ditko Spider Man. And all of the comics that I had were like these weird, and this has totally influenced my whole view of pop culture. They were all these like, you know, either reprints from the sixties and seventies, or you know, Godzilla in the Wild West, or it would just be something I'd find at somebody's, you know, yard sale or whatever. And so it wasn't until I could even drive and get into like, you know, Cincinnati, which we lived an hour and a half from, that I was able to go to comic book stores. And I remember I bought the one of the first times I went to a comic book store in Cincinnati. Uh, I found this black and white. A superhero comic that guys from Cincinnati had produced, and that was the first germ of like, oh shit! I get what you could maybe just make stuff yourself, like, huh? And I, I wish I could remember the title of it. It's uh, it's not the best, but like, but it was it like was totally. Probably I haven't heard of it if I've never been. To no, Cincinnati. It, absolutely yeah. not. But it was, but you know, it was one of those things. I want to say it's Superior Seven, an actual DC comic. 
because that might be the name of it. So yeah, maybe maybe they're still out there to, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but it was you know it was close enough to like what was going on with the image and stuff like that that I was like, wait a minute. So these guys just made this on their own, and I think that kind of stuck in the back of my mind of like, well, maybe I could. I still didn't make my own books at that point. But you but realized there was a level below the other level that you had just existed. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, once I found out about Dan Klaus's work and then started like, oh, what's this Fanographics company all about? And started, you know, finding, I think the next thing, because there was a record store that sold uh, that sold Dan's comics. This is when I was at college at Columbus, Ohio. They sold Dan's comics, and then I think they also sold Optic Nerve, and then I think I got 32 stories, yeah. and that was kind of like, oh, okay, so he just self-published stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, and again, it was just something that just... that fully formed. Yeah, it just it hadn't occurred to me. Yeah. Uh, and then I got the... Uh, Dave Sim put out that uh, Cerebus's Guide to Self-Publishing yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. And that was like a really... I mean, he had some rather stringent views about never being published by anybody He's else. strange views about everything. Here's, yes. here's where I want to get to, though. I want There's to get that. to... I want to get from... Um, uh, philosophy mm-hmm. professor right. to comics. Right. Uh, so yeah, so I went into, I remember my, my uh, to his credit, my guidance counselor in high school saying, I don't understand, you, you, you're like, you know, I mean, because I was the art guy in school and he was like, so you're, you're a good artist and you're going to study philosophy. <laughs> and I was just like, well, that's what I'm interested in and and it, and it still is, and it certainly influences everything I do. But, uh, yeah, I was just, that was what I was, I was like, I'm going to do that. I don't know if that was my version of, like, a serious job or something. Well, I'm not sure. Just, I mean, the, the, the funny thing about that is, is, you know, you people go and they get philosophy degrees. Right. The joke is, what are you going to do, be a philosophy professor? Right, right, right. And yeah. you saw that from the beginning. Oh, I was like, I'm going to be a philosophy professor, yeah. yeah. And and to be honest with you, it was kind of looping back around to the, you know, getting sick of just meetings about meetings. I was super enthusiastic about Are we okay? Oh, no, yeah. Okay. Um, we were, I did, I, by the way, did like five takes of a film where I realized halfway through oh, that bad. like the... Yeah, the yeah, mics yeah, were unplugged. Yeah, um, I've got a good story I'll tell you after this. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it was. It, it, I was probably about a year and a half into it, maybe two years, and this is you can completely see this in my courses that I started to realize maybe I'm not going to be doing this for the rest of my life because I just realized, like, oh, so you guys sit around, make up, you know, so various nomenclature for your new philosophy problem or thesis or whatever it is, never actually solve anything yeah. and don't really do anything and it goes beyond that though um you know especially especially when you're talking about a philosophy professor you're talking mm-hmm. about you're, t- you're talking less about people um creating new fields of philosophy and right. more studying classic previous people. exactly yeah and i mean it just the more i learned about it the more and i'm kind of liking this to you know me learning about the comics industry like just learning like oh you know what that's not for me like what I was interested in was thinking about these problems and talking about the problems and potentially, you know, gaining new knowledge or perspective on things. But learn the more it was basically the more, and I feel very grateful because I was in the honors world where they like we really were in there with the professors and seeing what I don't think we were supposed to necessarily pay attention to this, but we really got to kind of see behind the scenes of academia a little bit yeah. more. And the more I saw of that, I was like, "This is not for me." Like, you well, know, I can't even imagine. Yeah, and, yeah. and your your guidance counselor was certainly onto something. Um, 
from from what I've learned about you during this conversation that you know just doing comics as far as uh, right. putting stuff into the world isn't enough. So I can't even imagine you having taken that career path. Oh no, yeah, because you're so incredibly limited. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was so I'm 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 glad that I uh, came to that realization midway through college. But so then I started taking some art classes, and but again, not really with a goal of like okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm switching gears, I'm going to yeah. make comics. It was just, I think, honestly, I think I had to take at least one art class, so I took one, you know, yeah. one basic drawing yeah. class, which I was very, I, I got pretty lucky with the art classes I took, because the first one I took was with this just taskmaster of a German instructor, where she would just, like, midway through the quarter I go in and we were supposed to get like what our grade was so yeah. far and she's like okay so right now you have a D minus and she's saying this all in a very thick German accent uh, which makes it so much better uh, and I was like what? because I was easily the best artist in the yeah. class and I was like which is not saying anything good about me it was all engineers and like chemistry majors and whatever and I was like what? and she said do you remember this assignment where you had to draw a still life and I said yeah why and she was like did you work as hard as you could have on that i was like well no i kind of had a busy week that week and she was like right if you do that again i'll fail you and i was like all right and it was good to have somebody say like you're talented you have to work harder being held to higher yeah you know and i was like okay all right that was it was a very good lesson for me of like not you know i don't know you know just not like resting on your talent and like pushing yourself as hard as you could you know so uh but you still you you still graduate with a philosophy degree yep yeah yeah so and to be honest i even looked at because i had one sort of existential crisis of like oh maybe i should be because i was really mainly what i was studying in philosophy was modern physics and i was like you can't you can't not have an existential crisis if you're a philosophy you have to you're required by law that's a prerequisite of so I thought about switching to physics, and and to be honest, I thought about it. So then I was like, no, I, I, I think maybe I'm going to do art of some sort or writing or whatever it is. And I looked to switching to art, and it was basically like it would have kept me at the university for like another yeah. two years or something. And I was like, you know what, I think... I'm just going to get the philosophy degree and like I don't know, though, call like, it a day, and, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, and this is, I, I guess when we're, you know, when we're 18, where we're going into college. Right. Um, uh, those of us who like pick our majors early on, yeah, like, yeah. We, we we know what we want to do, right? But for everybody, it's really. I mean, it, for the most part, unless you're you know a, a med student, right. It's really sort of figuring out. What well, you and want that's to what do. I tell it. Like, and to sometimes to the chagrin of parents that yeah. are standing there with their son or daughter. When everybody asks me, like, well, you know, what should I do about college? I'm like, just go. It doesn't matter. Like. Because it's more about having That's a better answer than don't go, don't go, or just <laughs> yeah, yeah, be a cartoon, absolutely, you know, be a cartoonist, yeah, yeah, yeah. That actually might be the best answer. It's better. It's you're not telling people, oh, go to SVA, right, right, spend right. all your time drawing comics, right. That's not a. That's well, in fact, I usually give the opposite. Yeah. The opposite advice is whatever you want to do, just make sure you study everything else. Yeah. Like you should study that. I mean, in a lot of ways, I felt like I had a really great art program because I took. You know, I don't know what it ended up being like, five or six or seven art classes, but I handpicked which ones I wanted to take. They were all very specific. The more interested I got in, like, bookmaking and comics, that they were very specific to that. But you don't think and having the, those extra two years would have been beneficial? 
I'm sure it would have been, you know. But, I mean, do I think it hurt me that much? Like, nah, not really. Because I feel like what was what I really just needed was just to be doing it nonstop. And the thing that was probably the most beneficial is, you know, whatever it was, junior year, I started self-publishing. And I was producing, you know, a, a, a mini-comic. I, actually, you know, they weren't that small. They were kind of big. But uh, every two months, you know. And I produced... I mean, I think in a year and a half, I produced like 300 pages of comics. And like that was, you know, that was what I needed to do. Because you just have to get through terrible pages of comics first. Like that's the biggest thing. But you you were putting stuff out in the world pretty much immediately? Uh, I mean, out in the world as in like to 50 people. Yeah. Well, no, no. I had this this conversation. I just had had Box Brown on a while ago. And, and, you know, I I say this to him every time I see him that, uh, you know, I, I saw your stuff when it was just the worst right. just the, like because yeah, yeah. he had no he had no filter right. he was going on message boards and just posting oh really them. really oh, yeah. wow you know yeah. did you did did you give yourself the benefit of time or well i did but only because again i just didn't you know the internet while it existed at that point certainly was yeah. not i mean all of the various things that people put stuff on now weren't there do you think that your approach would have been different if you had that canvas probably i mean i think by the time i was self-publishing this stuff and putting it out in stores i think if you know fill in the blank facebook twitter whatever had been like a thing i probably would have started doing that i'm kind of glad it didn't exist frankly but um but i went back and like published a collection of all that stuff so like it wasn't like yeah i I actually which has been out of out of print for some time, which I'm fine with. <laughs> yeah. Why, why, why? Why would you, do, if you were so uncomfortable with that earlier stuff, why? Well, it's not that I was uncomfortable with it. It's just I don't think it's, you know, it's not. The thing that I liked about the collection, which actually I'm working on putting together an ebook of it now because I have enough people that ask me about it. Um, the thing that I liked about the collection is that, not that I'm standing by like, these are amazing yeah. comics, but it is, I think it's good for people to see. Okay. Kind of always thirty-two stories. Yeah, exactly. Where it's just you know, I mean, unfortunately, it's you know three hundred pages, but you know, like, but but starting from like really bad to like kind of okay, you know, like not great, but you know, kind of okay. And in the book, it said like, this is how I made the thing. These were the pens I used. This is how I printed it. This is how I did this. Here's mistakes I made. So it was much more like manual of like, here's how you can go from. I don't know, terrible to kind of okay. I don't know. <laughs> you, seem to, you seem to really, and, and you don't get this with a lot of artists, and, and this can sometimes make my job very difficult, but you mm. seem very comfortable talking about every single part of the process. And really. I, to me, and honestly, that just comes 100% out of that kid in Southern Ohio yeah. that just couldn't find shit. And, like, I just. I don't want anybody to be in that position. But is that you is, know? is that is la- that largely just technical things? Is that you know becoming a better artist, or is that really mm-hmm. getting down and dirty into story? Um, yeah, that is one thing. I don't think I talk too much about the story stuff, just because. I mean, I you know, it's not something I would ever like withhold if somebody was yeah. asking me about it. I think I tend to talk more about that kind of stuff in interviews and things. I mean, as my wife can attest, like she knows when it's time for me to talk about a story. Like mm-hmm. I will tell her like, Oh, I just, I, I got a new book or whatever. And she'd be like, okay. And she knows just don't even ask. Like if I don't volunteer everything about this to you, then it's not ready for me to even talk about. What, so what's a sort of a standard length of time. I don't, uh, it could be a year. It could yeah. be three days. Like okay. there's just no pretty, for me, it's things 
I, I often say that, you know, they're sort of floating around in these pieces and yeah. then eventually they sort of congeal into a landmass or whatever. And then it's like, oh, okay. I'm not a superstitious person, but I do have a little bit of superstition when it comes to things. Like yeah. I mean, it's just... ruining things by talking about them too early on. It's, I mean, here's the problem. I could talk about stuff much earlier than I do... But for me, the biggest problem, and this is getting back to the sort of personal vision kind of stuff, is that a person is going to ask a question or make a suggestion, and it's going to turn me in a direction that isn't honest to my subconscious or to my whatever it is that makes the stories. And I just don't want... I need it, I need it to develop enough of a shell that I know it's safe, you know, is, is there, that kind of thing. Is there a fear that, that people will enjoy things less when they can see the wires? No, not for me, really. I mean, because that's the thing is I would be fine with documenting all that and then showing it after. But I just, it's like I said, I mean, I just, it, for me, it just, it needs to have, the idea needs to have enough of a protective case around it that I know it will, it will live through any question that anybody asks or whatever. And, you know, when it's the film stuff and it's other people collaborating on things, it's totally fine that that's earlier in the process and it's you know like I don't have a problem with other people influencing stuff and influencing choices but I just need the idea to be like to just to be a full idea you know um yeah, I don't know if that makes but you, sense. But you wait for people to ask the questions. You're not, you're not volunteering. I think with the story stuff, yeah. yeah, just because I kind of see the the story side of things to be the thing itself, you know. Yeah. Whereas the production side of things, I just don't want there to ever be mythology, you know, mythologization. That's not a word. Um, I don't want people to mythologize the like how did like here's this really nice finished product whatever it is like this thing was shot this way or this thing was animated this way or this thing was you know this book looks all fancy i just want them to know like look you know there's just these step there's these little steps that you go through and then that's how it was made it wasn't we didn't press any button it's just a lot of little steps um because that was i mean that was a big stumbling block for me i think was just like well how would you even do that thing you know how would you I feel, and I feel like that information is much more out there now but Kicks, I think Kickstarter is going to be really interesting for you from the standpoint right. of um, it's built in that you have to document this while you're creating it and that ultimately right. may be a really good thing for you yeah, well, and that's, I mean, yeah, that's something I'm really excited. In fact, one of the one of the things that's a reward is you get a featurette on every single step-by-step of everything yeah. where we show you, like, here's the program, here's how we're using the program, all that stuff, because to me, that's, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some people that just want that, hmm. like, because that stuff is still, it's still remarkable to me how hard it is to find that kind of stuff. Like, you can find a lot of tutorials about little distinct yeah. things, but to find something where it's the entire process of a thing is still kind of tough to find sometimes. I mean, there's a reason why they call it movie magic, right? I mean, right. You know, maybe yeah. for a lot of people, it's best not to pull back the curtain. Yeah, and if they don't want to, you know, yeah, I, yeah. if they don't want to see how the sausage is made, that's yeah. fine. I understand that, but... I don't know. Again, for me, it's just I just I don't know. I, I wish that I had been able to find that kind of stuff. And it's so you're like I mean, yeah. you're like me. You know, you're you are. You know, if you really like a movie, you'll watch a director's commentary. You want to know every totally. single thing about. Yeah, that. there's I, I I there are a few things that bum me out more than when I start watching the commentary and I realize they're just going to talk about like oh yeah, this was Bob from Craft Services yeah. was crazy. Yeah, and I'm like oh, tell me about what what lens what yeah. you know. Yeah. 
how did you get, how'd you like that? Or whatever, you know, give me some insight, you know. Or, like, what were you thinking about the framing or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, That's the worst thing you could find out is, is realizing they weren't thinking about it. Right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and that's that's another funny thing is when I started, you know, when I was like, okay, I think I'm going to start shooting stuff on my own. There was a, a cinematographer friend of mine that I was like, okay, now with this and this and that, you know, like asking him really detailed questions about cameras and about lenses. And he's like, no, 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 you don't need to know that. You're a direct, you, you, yeah. you're directing. And I was like, that's exactly why I need to know yeah. that. Like, because I mean, the, the, the best insight I've ever gotten into directing is your job is to know as much as humanly possible so that you can hire somebody that knows more than yeah. you. Like it, it is. It's a weird. It's an interesting. You know, I, I remember growing up and for years not knowing what a director did. I mean, you right. know, when you're younger, you, you assume that they're the ones holding the camera, the ones right? Framing the shots. Exactly. And you, figure, and you realize that they're not. Right. Was, was was it? I think it was like John Ford who said that the mm-hmm. best. The best thing you can do as a director is hire the best actors and let them. Exactly. Go to work. That's just it. I mean. Yeah. So much of it is casting, and then all the rest of it is just picking people yeah. that are better than you at things. And everybody that's helped me on every aspect of that first short I shot and the next thing I'm working on and the next two things I'm working on, uh, they're, they're much better at the things they do than I am, and that's, that's been really good. So, yeah, I feel like that's – and, I mean, you know, and that's, that gets back to, like, working with Fantagraphics. Everything that Fantagraphics does yeah. for me, they're about a million times better <laughs> – at doing that than I could ever be. So, yeah. There you go. That was uh, Paul Horchmeyer. Uh, Paul's a Paul's a good person to interview because he's he's constantly working on something and and, and constantly working on very different projects. Um, you know, he's he's directing things and writing screenplays and making comic books, uh, doing animated shorts. Uh, and in fact, actually, this was recorded back in uh, in April at Mocha Fest here in New York City, and we are, are timing up the show to coincide with the launch of his new Kickstarter campaign. It's uh, it's called Giant Sloth. It, it officially launched last week. Um, they're actually about, they're already at about eighteen thousand out of twenty five thousand. So they're um, they're 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 probably going to hit this thing by by the time we actually uh, hear hear the show. But um, still, lots of good reasons to uh, to pledge to it. Uh, Paul Giamatti is signed on to play the, the the lead role. He's playing a museum curator who may or may not uh, be losing his mind. Uh, we'll have a link to that over on the Tumblr, or you know, it's pretty easy to find. Giant Sloth, Horschmeyer, Giamatti, that should get you to that page. Um, uh, Paul's, uh, Paul's also got all sorts of books out on, uh, on Fantagraphics and Ad House, Dark Horse, all sorts of other great uh, publishers. So thanks uh, thanks so much to Paul for taking the time and sitting down during a, a very, very busy Mocha Fest. Uh, thanks to Brian, as always, for editing this show together. Thanks to Mark and everybody else at the Boing Boing Podcast Network. All sorts of fantastic uh, podcasts over at Boing Boing. They've got a new... Uh, New gadget podcast. You can check all those out over at boingboing.net or just go over to, uh, to iTunes. There's a very fancy, uh, very very fancy podcast page over there. And while you're on iTunes, why not take the chance to to uh, to rate the podcast? Because that's um, it's our lifeblood. That's what uh, those stars are. Those stars are the only thing that 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 keeps us going. This cold, dark life. Uh, if you uh, like the show or you have any feedback, send us an email. 
It's uh, riylcast at gmail.com. Uh, speaking of riylcast, that's also uh, our Tumblr accounts, riylcast.tumblr.com. You can catch the show uh, at hours, if not days, before it goes up over at Boing Boing. Uh, lots of lots of good shows lined up, and uh, we'll be coming back just about this time next week with another episode of RIYL.